0: Smith and this is Eurovision in isolation the year is 2013 and we are in Sweden Sweden a country with a long history of Eurovision success so joining me to run down the contestants tonight euphoria it's Daniel Irvin
1: hello again Phil hello
0: my heroes it's Minnie Meyer hi Phil take me to your heaven Alexander Smith. Hello. And diggy-loo, diggy It's Simon Rickenback. back.
2: Nice delighted to
0: be here. So, 2013, what springs to mind when you think of it? It was the year, of course, that uh, we had a new Pope elected after uh, the first papal resignation in many a year. Uh, we had deaths of key world figures, such as Margaret Thatcher and Nelson Mandela. But most importantly, of course, it was the International Year of Quinoa. Once again, I have picked out five songs for us to peruse. And do stay tuned, because at the end of the podcast, I do have a little bit of a surprise for everyone. So keep your ears peeled for that. So let's not hesitate. Let's get straight in with song number one. This is from Finland. This is Krista Siegfrieds with Marry Me. there not sounding desperate in the slightest so minnie i come to you what were your thoughts
3: uh so this is an avril lavigne or maybe girls allowed type number where a woman in a wedding dress begs to be wed and promises to change her name so it all feels a bit regressive until there's a kind of park Shan wook style twist ending where it's revealed that she's actually gay the message being that lesbians can do bad eurovision songs too which is we already knew because tattoo entered in two thousand and three.
0: <laughs> I feel like it's it's key to point out here that Krista Siegfried's very much not gay. I mean, she does she does kiss one of her backing dancers in this song, but um, she's straight.
2: So so a tattoo.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, Alex, how do you like it? <laughs> that that much.
4: <laughs> I think there was a mini kind of bubblegum pop revival in the early 2010s. Katy Perry, obviously, uh, very, very popular at the time. And and this really does have uh, sort of Katy Perry influence to it. It's I'm not an enormous fan, like many suggest of the sort of massively subservient messaging throughout. And I don't think the kiss at the end between uh, two women redeems that at all. I don't. It's not a great song. It's sorry, I'm meandering here. Massively so. Are you
0: apologising to us or to the listeners?
4: I was not expecting the madonna Britney style kiss at the end, and I don't think that redeems it at all. It's not very well choreographed. It's not a great song. Uh, I didn't like it at all.
1: Okay. I think the point of that kiss at the end is is it's subverting your expectations. You watch this song about this uh, traditionally very attractive woman that's singing about marriage. She's singing about uh, the wedding that she wants to have. And I think in your mind, you think this is this is a straight woman. And then suddenly you realize at the end, oh, no, she wasn't. I was wrong. Uh, She's kissed the woman here that was been behind her all along. And it's a maybe it's a bit cliched, but I think it's kind of a it's quite a classic kind of Eurovision moment, really.
2: I think there's a bit of that that's true. But either way, sort of gay marriage or not gay marriage, it's not really a vision of marriage that I ascribe to. You know, baby, I feel like a sinner skipping dinner to get thinner. I guess you would say it's a satire and it is clearly a it's clearly a political song in the sense that it's it's referencing gay marriage, which I'm guessing in 2013 maybe well certainly wasn't legal in a lot of countries. I think it
4: was 2012-2013 when the UK, Australia, New Zealand ran through that legislation
0: through through Parliament to make marriage equal. So interestingly, or not interestingly, depending on how it takes you, the kiss at the end was a political act to urge Finland to legalise same-sex marriage. In their Interval Act as well, Sweden actually sort of promoted the fact that they had legalised gay marriage. Obviously, there's a large gay following for uh, Eurovision as well. So I suspect there was a potentially a tactical element to include a a gay twist on on things. It did cause uh, Turkey to decide that they weren't going to air Eurovision it also was censored in China, which caused a number of issues. Um, so it sort of outed a lot of the uh, the homophobic nations, if nothing else.
2: Did you know that in 2013, Turkey, in- instead of screening Eurovision, made their own show called Turkvision? Yes, this is the case. Eurovision has spawned many,
0: I, I was about to say spin-offs, but sort of impersonation acts, really, should be the word. Uh, yes, there was the Turkvision Uh, We've also had the Bundesvision which was more of a spin-off than an impersonation act uh, because Germany continued to compete uh, through the years as well but that was through regions of Germany and probably most famously as well there was the Intervision Song Contest which was the uh, Soviet equivalent during 1977 to 1980. Intervision probably most historically noteworthy for its voting system where rather than having televoting or um, international juries, asked people to turn off and on their lights for the songs that they liked. And they judged the spikes in electricity in each country. Wow. No likey, lighty, no lighty. No Yes, the original no likey, no lighty. So, yes, the Finnish did compete in both Intervision and um and eurovision thanks to their their close ties to to russia i wish this song would finish
3: <laughs> the um twist ending reminds me of the Prodigies' smack my bitch up
0: are like, we gonna have to do another uh beastie boys style apology here
3: no it's just that there's the video for that i don't know if you've seen it is a pov uh following someone on a night out in london and they get really drunk they do a bunch of coke they have a kebab and throw up, and <laughs> take the stripper home, have sex with them, and then at the last shot is the camera turns to face the mirror and you see that it was a woman. And it's mm-hmm. inverts expectations. It's like, ah, look, a woman can do loads of really obnoxious shit as well. So it very much remind me of that. I don't,
4: I don't so remember I seeing a got- kebab in this in this live performance. But we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll go with you, Minnie.
3: You feel sick though. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the,
0: the other, the other question that I do have because. I have to admit, it took me a second watch
2: to really take this in. Um,
0: did we all see the uh, the costume change
2: in this one? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the dancers in the background, they sort of start off looking like villains in Adam West era Batman. Yeah. And there's this transformation. Uh, and they're actually women. I genuinely wasn't.
0: It shows how much attention you really sort of pay to things. Didn't really notice that they weren't women until um, I suddenly noticed. Where did the bridesmaids come from? Oh wait, they must have been the men. Um, I might so... have to perform
4: a screeching U-turn. Hmm. I'll, I'll admit here that I think I've I've underestimated the the satire and messaging of this song. I think it's quite tacky, but mm-hmm. actually, credit where it's due. Like you say, with the backing dancers' costume—well, not just costume change, I guess, gender change. Maybe I was a little bit harsh on it when I when I discussed it earlier. I'll say it's an all-right
0: song. <laughs> right. Which moves us swiftly into Douze and Nil pois. For those of you joining us for the first time, we like to assign a Douze Point and a Nil pois to our favourite and least favourite song out of today's listening. Um, anyone like this song enough for it to be their Douze pois? No. Okay. Anyone dislike this song enough for it to be their nilpois? Right. Okay. Now oh, you understand the format.
1: Great. Thanks. thanks.
0: Um, right. Predictions. So tonight's uh, song selection uh, covers the full range of potential finishes in Eurovision. We have a song that finishes third, ninth, 13th, 24th and one non-qualifier that finished 11th in their semi-final. So Marry Me. Where do we think that comes?
1: I uh, think this is uh it's good fun. It's it's full of energy and kind of musically for the time is you know, yeah, it's very like Katy Perry. It's it's all right. I think this could have done reasonably well. Mid-table, I'm gonna go with ninth as out of those right. options. Right,
0: okay. Moving on, song number two tonight is from the Netherlands, who appeared last week. Uh they are back again. This is Anouk with her song, Birds. so that was a nuke for the netherlands now a little mini theme for tonight's podcast is that of of consistency to countries that perform consistently do well or can countries come in and perform very well out of nowhere at all so netherlands had a pretty terrible run going at this point they had failed to qualify for the final since 2004 that was uh nine years away that includes an attempt in 2007 by Edcilia Romble, who of course we met last week with her song Himmel en Arde so Anouk can she turn this around for the Netherlands with her song I'm going to come to Simon Simon do you think Anouk will turn this around
2: frankly no I just think it's so boring I don't think I've ever actually watched the whole thing all the way through for the podcast. I just sort of keep picking up my phone halfway through and looking at Twitter. I actually, um, you have asleep.
0: one job for this podcast, Simon, and that is to watch the videos and then come on and talk about them. I suppose that's two I, jobs.
2: I fell asleep during this song. Um, I, I was so bored that I fell asleep. I can't remember how it goes and I don't want to. Uh, it sort of sounds like <laughs> a song in a musical. That's not sung by the female lead. It's sung by sort of the the second woman. Uh, <laughs> And she's sad. The only <laughs> notable thing in this song is that the guy in the front row uh, who's in the audience has a feather duster in the colours of the German flag. That is how <laughs> bored I was watching the videos that I picked that up.
0: <laughs> I have to admit, I spotted that as well. Yeah. Um, okay. Simon, not a fan. Let's see if Alex... Alex, any more of a fan? No. Good. It's
4: really fucking creepy. For one. <laughs> depressing it's a slow you know sometimes these slow melodical numbers you know maybe it's a sort of vague attempt at a love song it's not the lyric that is sung over and over again is birds falling out of the sky like raindrops i've seen enough movies to know that when birds fall out of the sky something fucking terrible is coming so i'm not really sure what the metaphor is supposed to be there
2: it is also not even slightly like raindrops. Mm. Like if you had dead bird sized raindrops falling out of the sky,
4: yeah, I mean,
2: absolutely, shit
4: yeah, awful. Like like Simon, I was so off, off put by this song, I didn't make any attempt to, to really understand whether or not there was a deeper meaning. I hope there is, otherwise, this is clearly an insane woman talking about dead birds falling from the
0: sky. Okay, I'll, I'll try again for a third time. Minnie, how did you like this song? I didn't. I thought she looked like a
3: share impersonator. That's the only thing of any
0: note that I need to say. We well, watched a- it for long enough to see that, though. Shame on you, Simon. Shame on you, Alex. OK, strong, strong feelings
1: from everyone so far. Dan, can you bring some light to Anouk? Well, shit. Uh, I knew I was going to be, I thought I might be a bit different on this one. I didn't realise quite how much. That's that's quite, there's quite scathing reviews from my three colleagues there. Um, Regular listeners will know that I don't particularly have much fondness for uh, acts that just have one woman up front singing and nothing else going on. Something about this was different for me. I can't quite put my finger on it. Um, Maybe in the background having the, the crowd there swaying instead of just whatever candles or whatever they have going on in the background. Maybe that helps. I found her voice really interesting. It's really deep and rich and it's kind of like nothing I've heard before. Uh, and I don't know why birds don't cry. She says at the end, and that's why birds don't cry. I, I don't know why, because I don't, I don't think she really explained it. They're yeah.
4: dead Dan. That's why they're not crying. <laughs> they fell from the sky. They're dead.
1: <laughs> wow. Okay. Something about this. I really enjoyed <laughs> it. I thought the song was, was really nice. I I really like this. And, uh, yeah, I didn't quite realise how different I was going to be from everyone else. So.
4: In fairness to Dan, he's right. She does have a really velvety, rich voice. It's a yeah. shame that it wasn't put to better use to talk about more pleasant things. Birds, are fine. Birds are flying, soaring, f- falling from the sky like raindrops. No, no. <laughs> I've just seen The Feather Duster.
0: <laughs> I missed that when I first watched it.
4: That is brilliant. Oh. Yeah
0: one thing that came to my mind is actually staging wise and and to an extent a sort of aesthetic wise this is quite similar to salvador Sobral of portugal in 2017 who went on to win it obviously just one singer st- singing quite a slow song in the middle of a crowd so what made this a flop for you guys whereas obviously Sobral went on to win
2: i disagree with the comparison slightly although i don't actually like that song um I, it reminded me more of Lucy Jones from 2017, where they've got this like supposedly amazing staging in the background, and they think that makes up for the fact that nothing's really happening. Salvador
4: Sobral was qu- quite unique, and I don't think there'll ever be another winner like him. So mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting comparison to make. When you stand up there on your own to sing a song like this, it's got to be intensely engaging and sincere. And I just don't think this is. So I, as such, I don't think it was ever going to do well.
0: Okay, uh, let's let's go on to uh pois so There wasn't a lot of love in the room, but anyone have a Douze pois for Anouk?
1: Yep, this is my Douze pois Yep, I've kind of already said I really love the song and I felt that even though there wasn't that going on in the background, the fact that she had the, the, the crowd there and all the flags behind her and they are all swaying, and they are all kind of with it, it was a lot better than some of the other ones that we've seen in the past where they've just had some of Lucy Jones, for example, where you've, you've got a set in the background and it's not quite clear what's going on um so yeah I think they could have done a lot more uh with with the song but for me out of what we've got here this is my douce why does a completely unrelated song mean I'm getting more Lucy
0: Jones hate you guys are just wrong on that like you have to let it go let <laughs> Lucy I will never give up on you okay I I will win them round. I promise you Right, um, nilpoise then. Uh, Let's start with Simon.
2: Is this your nil? Absolutely it is. Um, I don't know what it's like, really, but um, what it is is terrible. Uh, Alex? It's a big duck
4: egg
3: for me too.
0: And Minnie?
3: I mean, she was literally upstaged
0: by a feather duster. (laughs) (laughs) I, I was hoping beyond hope that this song and selecting this song might uh cheer Anouk up a little bit because actually completely coincidentally she's been stuck in Morocco for the last six weeks uh during the the Covid lockdown and o- and only just got back in the last couple of days to to her family and partner
3: I would like to apologize to her partner or family <laughs> but she is now back home <laughs> with them oh she's here
0: predictions i'll remind you we've got third ninth 13th 24th and a non-qualifier what do you boys think i don't think this will qualify frankly you think it's a eurovision flop once again from the netherlands yep okay moving on to song number three possibly the the most notable performance from from 2013 this is cesar from Romania and it's his song It's My Life. positively unique César and so I throw you over to our falsetto
1: disco music aficionado Daniel Urban thank you Phil so what we have here is a faith era George Michael dressed up as Dracula for Halloween and now he's chosen to sing his favourite Bon Jovi or maybe No Doubt song. We're not quite clear which one it is. Anyway, so he's decided to sing it. And he's, he's singing it at a pitch that previously we thought only dogs could hear. And now we've we found out with new technology, we can hear it too, which is which is great. Thank you, technology. And about halfway through, it, it sort of breaks into sort of a dubstep kind of a feel. It's um, it's a bit odd. And the reasons that this happens are known only to Romanians. So it's, it's a mystery to everyone else. And for me... It's a classic case of a very talented singer. You could tell by the pitches he reached that he he can sing and he's let down by a poor song and frankly a kind of a confusing stage performance. There's a lot going on and it might it might appeal to some, some of the others here on the podcast, but for me I didn't really understand what it was or what it was doing. Um, so yeah, a bit a bit odd, a bit confusing for me. I'd like to echo
4: what Dan said there. I think he's got a, a fantastic range. It's ruined by this ridiculous synth and techno backing track. On mute, I think the choreography is actually really good. And it's the most interesting choreography of the night in terms of the five songs that we're listening to today. But it detracts from an incredibly powerful voice with a fantastic range. It should have just been him sat, uh, stood there with a mic, blasting out this incredible vocal range he's got, rather than having it ruined by a ridiculously electronic backing sack.
0: Everyone else just hear backing sack. Backing sack. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's an apt comment. I think, you know, they all these dancers come out from between his legs. They are the backing sack. Uh, right. Uh, Minnie, haven't heard from you. What, have you. what are your thoughts on this?
3: I think Alex is drunk again and <laughs> is, frankly, living in a bizarro world. This is one of the all-time great Eurovision songs, as far as I'm concerned. We've got... A dubstep vampire, you've got this new delusion going on with the backing dancers. The staging is incredible. He's sort of this Romanian vampire rising out of a billowing kind of red floor covering. It's incredible, it's just completely bonkers. I also think it's probably the moment that dubstep died. <laughs> I feel like maybe Romania just got dubstep that year and we're like, oh, what a brilliant new kind of music. We'll put that in Eurovision. And the rest of the world, were are like, oh,
0: we can't really do that anymore. It may have killed it in the world. It certainly hasn't killed it at Eurovision. Dubstep keeps making uh, re-emergences year after year at Eurovision. But I think César was amongst the first. So uh, yeah, Dubstep opera certainly hasn't hit the mainstream yet, but not for the want of César trying.
2: It's part of a, a phase for me of when some countries decided that Dubstep might win Eurovision. The song I really like is, I think it's Armenia in 2014, Aaron MP3 sang a song called Not Alone which is one of my one of my favorites. Yeah, a huge fan of that song. This tries to kind of capture the idea that dubstep might be good. I, I, I quite like that it's original. I like that it takes a mix of old and new. I think it's really well staged as well. I, I, I like the guy getting taller and the sort of the smoke and the sort of mountains look at the start. Uh, overall, really well done. So we come on to everyone's
0: favorite format point of the show, the Douze poise and the nil-poise. Deuzpoise. Uh Dan's already used his, so uh any duespoise?
2: This is absolutely getting my Ireland the Deuzepois. I think everything about it's great. Lovely. Any others? Yeah, this is my does It's peak Eurovision for me.
3: As they say in Transylvania, that shit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Love it.
1: Any
0: nil pois? No. Okay. Predictions. Where do people think this come? Let's go to mini. I think this did well. I hope it did well. Anyway, I'm going to say ninth place. Ninth. Okay. we shall move on then. Song number four tonight is from Ukraine. The ever consistent Ukraine never yet failed to qualify when they have competed. The only other country to have achieved that is Australia. And they've only been competing for a few years. So uh, it's not quite the same feat as Ukraine. This year they are represented by Zlata Ognovich. And this is her song Gravity. gravity so alex i come
4: to you thank you phil and thank you for allowing me to introduce a song sung by possibly the most beautiful woman that's ever lived we can oh she's
0: stunning isn't she
4: and an incredible singer uh it's a brilliant really brilliant song um strange beginning for those not following along on our uh, youtube channel where you can find the playlist of the songs we're listening to that's eurovision in isolation our channel um she's dropped off or carried onto the stage and dropped off by this kind of haggard looking um, sort of storybook type troll not quite sure he doesn't he doesn't come back either I'm, I'm not entirely sure what what his purpose is um, was there? Other than that strange sort of drop-off, um, which was quite incongruous, it's a really strong ballad. Um, we mentioned earlier with the Netherlands. Um, if you're sort of standing on there alone with this kind of limp, creepy number, it's not going to go down well. Well, this is an incredibly powerful uh, song sung by an incredible, incredibly strong voice for someone who's quite a slight woman as well. Really, really powerful. I really like this song. I suspect it did very well. There's this, there's this strange, and again, I, staging, it varies so much now, and, and we've seen this every week. I, I, you know it, We talk about how different it is. Last week, we had the kind of five random blokes drawn from the cl- crowd to be the backing dancers. Well, in this case, the backing singers are there, but they're so dimly lit. They just look like four kind of Grim Reaper characters, which creates this quite sinister-looking vibe.
2: With the big pillars at the side, it does sort of look a bit like it's, like Live from Mordor is Eurovision Song Contest. And yeah, that combined with the the giant sort of gave it a bit of a middle earth feel to me.
0: I feel like the the scenery is some sort of like dark forest and then somehow's latter is is lighting up this forest. Again, I don't hugely understand how that ties into the theme of gravity, but um I kind of get that there's a sort of secondary theme of of a butterfly through it. So I guess kind of woodland butterflies makes a yeah. sort of but the troll having
4: rescued the princess into this dark strange whatever it is forest mordor definitely getting that the song is just so incongruous. so something's incongruous. something's somewhere this this choreography in this setting was probably meant for another song and there's been a paperwork mix-up in the ukraine selection process but it kind of works
0: i really like the staging actually this is uh just for uh factual interest this is Igor Vovkovinsky who carries her on um, and he is a Ukrainian American law student and he is 7 foot 8 and a 3rd inches tall, which is which is quite large. Quite high. <laughs> quite high. So he's also uh, an actor. He featured in the 2011 movie Hall Pass, where he wears a t-shirt saying, world's biggest Obama supporter. But uh, yeah, he carried her on. And, and I the whole vibe and the sort of slight camera judders that they do as he takes each step as he's walking on. I I like that. I agree with you Phil. I love the staging. It's very minimal
3: and like Alex said it's got these kind of shadowy figures in the background which I found really effective and the giant was great. I thought either he's a giant or she's a child and it turned out that he was a giant so that was good. I'd have felt a bit uncomfortable if she was a child.
2: (laughs) Fair enough. Simon,
0: did you did you have any thoughts on the staging?
2: So I do like the Jolly Giant, but I do think it's a shame that his role is entirely finished within the first 10 seconds. Did you want him to come on and do a dance for you as well? Yeah, I think they could have a bit of a dance together, couldn't they? Something like Fight that. scene? Yeah, David and Goliath.
0: What I was really angling for there was whether Simon would repeat what he said to me on,
2: on text about this song. <laughs> yeah the the giant does he looks like he's won a sort of make-a-wish foundation thing doesn't he to like well i i i what i'd really like is to carry the ukrainian uh pretty lady onto the stage and then uh exit stage right
0: <laughs> right so large largely
1: we've all been we've all been pretty positive um dan continuing the trend uh not really um Basically, Ukraine's strategy was to take the most beautiful woman they could find, stick a stick a stage center, um, and then kind of think about the rest of it a bit later. And um, thankfully, she's actually a very good singer, so so she's kind of carrying the song a bit. But the song isn't isn't original; it's it's a bit bland. And uh, uh, yeah, so I was a bit a bit a, a bit confused by it. What 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 even is her gravity? Do we do we know? So exactly
3: what the bird song is questioning the meaning of the Ukrainian entry? <laughs>
2: The gravity of the situation of taking the One Ring to Mordor. Sorry. I agree with Dan. I, I agree with Dan. I don't think there's actually that much to this song. I don't. I I, I found it again a bit dull. Uh, I think they basically decided, yeah, this woman's interesting enough to look at, and we don't really need to do anything else. And she'll sort of stand in the middle, move her hands, and sway about a bit, and that'll be plenty.
4: Well, that's a bit harsh, Simon. I, I, that she does nail some really long high notes throughout the song it's a little bit harsh to say she
0: just sort of stands there and sways about I think it's fair to say that having a good looking singer certainly carries you a long way I think sometimes you can see that jump up the leaderboard that having someone incredibly attractive usually wearing something quite tight-fitting like Slatter is here the effect that that can have they tend to do well in which point we shall come on to Douze and nil pois. Phil, I'll give my uh, 12 points
4: to Ukraine. Um, I was very complimentary yeah. earlier and, and hence um, you won't be surprised to know that it's going to get my Irlande douze pois.
0: Lovely. Uh, any nil pois?
1: Dan, I think yours is only the only nil pois still on the table. And I'm going to use it here. I don't think it's got a lot going on other than the fact that the it's the, the female singer centre stage is, is, is quite good at singing. The rest of it doesn't do anything for me. So nil pois.
0: OK. And predictions. Where do we think? Qualifier, non-qualifier, high up, low down?
2: I think this will do very well. Ukraine, obviously, a, a Eurovision uh, consistent performer, as, as you outlined at the start. I think this will probably be third on the night, is my guess.
0: OK. Right. Moving on to the, the final song of the night. I know, sad, sad moment. We have, for their first appearance on Eurovision in Isolation... The tiny enclave nation of San Marino. And this is Valentinum Moneta with chrysalid brackets, vola. That was Valentina, so i throw over to Simon. What do you have to say?
2: Well, it starts badly, doesn't it? It's probably got the worst first note of any song since Gemini. It's sort of a ballad, and then halfway through, you think it's over, but they do a costume change, and it's a completely new dance number. I do appreciate the two-for-one effort, but in this case, it just feels like I've ended up with twice as much of the stuff I don't really want. The main thing of intrigue is definitely the glowing orb, which I think is a pregnancy metaphor? Either that, or they managed to get a deal on the glowing orb that Donald Trump touched once in Saudi Arabia. (laughs) Slightly damning from
1: Simon. So, um, Dan, did you prefer it? It was an interesting song from San Marino. I certainly saw the childbirth imagery going on in, in, in the first half. At one point, it looks like she's about done. The song's about to end and her, her backing singers come up to her and they're, you know, they're going to bow together or whatever. And then she punches them away and it does her fantastic costume change and becomes Gandalf the Red. It's, uh, it's quite something.
0: Why does this episode have a Lord of the Rings theme? Um, okay, fine. Minnie. Uh, yeah, I thought this was
3: middling. It was quite sleek and stylish. I like the reveal. Uh, It reminded me of, in the 70s, Grace Slick from Jefferson Airplane did an album called Manhole, which is a hilarious name for an album. And it sounded a bit like that to me, so I liked it. But it wasn't anything special.
0: Fair enough. And Alex?
4: Yeah, not anything special. It's a strange song because it starts with quite a nice few tinkles on the the ivory. And you think, oh, here comes a classically Italian-sung ballad. And then she sort of wails and you go, oh, God. Um, but then she kind of gets into it and you go, oh, yeah, then, oh, OK, this is this is another really OK. This isn't a classic um, Italian ballad. And then there's the key change, and the costume change. And I think it, I think she goes down a gear. I don't know if anyone else sort of felt that. I think once that key chain comes, I don't know whether or not it nerves or or, uh, or the, the pressure of 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 the uh, the moment. But it, it lost it lost a little bit of energy. Which is the reverse of what should happen after a key change.
0: This is Valentina Mineta, as I said, and, and she is Miss San Marino, as far as Eurovision is concerned. She has competed four times at Eurovision, this being her second appearance. Um, and each time she brought like a, a different musical vibe to it. Her first appearance was with a, a novelty song originally called the Facebook song, but for Eurovision purposes, was called the Social Network song. And that was a sort of poppy parody song, really. Uh, This song here, Chrysalid, was was more operatic, at least to the start, with a bit of a key change and uh, energy change in the middle. And then she had uh, Maybe next year in 2014, which had a bit of a jazzy vibe to it. And then she came with a, a duet in 2017, which had more of a sort of disco vibe as well. So, um, yeah, this is probably not my my personal favourite of hers. Uh, I'm a sucker for a, a novelty song, as you all know. But um, fans were really, really rooting for, for this song. But you guys seem to, seem to, on the whole, disagree with that. You think it falls into the mix, really.
4: Yeah, it must be difficult for San Marino because a few episodes ago we were talking about UK entries and how... We're not performing well enough for a number of reasons. And one of the reasons you suggested was we don't perform in the semifinals, so we don't win fans. And mm. for San Marino, I do wonder if it's sort of such a small enclave that they are sending, I mean, she, she's a San Marino royalty when it comes to, to Eurovision, but who's voting for San Marino in the semi-final with a
0: quite middling song like this? Yeah, it's a really fair point. People, a lot of non-Eurovision fans and even some Eurovision fans will talk about the politics of Eurovision. And there certainly is a politics to Eurovision. It's not the be all and end all, as I think we will all attest to. We're, we're critiquing the songs. Uh, so there's certainly more to it than just nations and politics. But there are certain countries that it's certainly beneficial to be performing for and certain other countries that it's not very beneficial to be performing for and that's certainly the case for for San Marino as you say there's very very few people out there that are sitting there going god I really love San Marino because you know you could fit the entire nation of San Marino into a moderately sized football stadium so yes okay Um, so everyone was sort of middle of the road and that's summed up by the fact that you've all used up your your 12 and nil poise already so no one particularly at any extreme so Alex I come to you, prediction for you, do we think Valentina qualifies this year? I will tell you as you say she's appeared four times of those four appearances she does qualify once so is this the one?
4: I'm torn Between this and the Netherlands, I'm going to go with this, not qualifying.
0: Fair enough. Right. So that is the five songs for today. So there's no more tension to drag this out. Let's me tell you how they all did. So our non-qualifier was, in fact, San Marino. Yes, this, this was not Valentina's year. Uh, 2014 Valentina actually uh, qualifies for the final with her song Maybe, um, which confused a lot of people because some people preferred the Facebook song. A lot of people preferred this one. Nobody really preferred Maybe. But yet there it was in 24th place coming pretty low down in the in the final was Finland and Marry Me. Uh, 13th was César and Romania with It's My Life. Ninth place was Anouk and the Netherlands with Birds. Uh, This was the start of a a, a mini revival for for the Netherlands. Uh, This was the first of about six songs that had a sort of a a bit of a vague country vibe for the Netherlands. And and it took them all the way to winning last year, obviously. Uh, But our, our best performing song of tonight was Ukraine and Zlata with Gravity. So, Alex, you are most on on point with uh, with your thoughts tonight, giving that your 12 points. So, obviously, 2013 was not won by uh, Zlatan and Ukraine. It was, in fact, won by Denmark and Emily de Forest with her song Only Teardrops. I know all the rest of you are singing that along at home. Uh, so, next year, we are off to Copenhagen, except not on this podcast. no. On this podcast, we will be staying in Sweden, in fact. But I have a surprise for you all. So next week, we have a special episode for you because we're not covering Eurovision. In Across the podcasts, we have been talking a little bit here and there about national finals and national selections. So I thought I would take you, delve you deeper into the world of Eurovision and show you... Not Turkvision. No, no, no. Even deeper, Simon. Into the the world of national selections and show you, I think, what is the king of national selections. Sweden's Festivalen. So uh, I have a veritable smorgasbord for you. So uh, you have that to tune in for next week. But until then, it's goodbye from this lot. Bye, Phil. Goodbye. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye.
4: Ding ding but, uh, ding ding uh, did-did-did-doo- did-lit-doo-de-de-d. Do, 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 do. I kissed the
0: girl in. and I liked
4: it. <coughs>